John 21, you are here the night we're going to finish the book of John. Amen. How many of you, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, how many of you have been to every single, I mean, I know if you've gone on vacation or something like that, but you've been here since the beginning of the book of John. Raise your hand. All the way from the beginning. Wow. Well, good job. Good job. I, I, I appreciate your faithfulness. Uh, I am very, very excited. Uh, we're going to be able to kick off the book of Revelation next week. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy. You do not want to miss it. Matter of fact, if you'll help me and kind of get the word out and let people know and, uh, and do this. Share, share your enthusiasm. I, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for Wednesday to get here. I mean, it's my favorite. It's my favorite, without a doubt, my favorite day of the week. And, uh, and, and so, so share that with somebody. Because I'm telling you, everybody needs what you're getting. And, and so if we could do that, that will be a great blessing. We're going to start, we're going to, does everybody got a lesson? Does everybody got a lesson? I want to make sure. If you don't have a lesson, raise your hand. We'll, we'll have some guys running, Brother Johnny, right there. We got some in the front and some in the middle. All right, some in the back there. Uh, Y'all going to help me? All right, help me, help me, help me. Brother Montgomery, to your right. All right, raise your hand real high, raise your hand real high. Let us see you, let us see you. All right, in the balcony, everybody good in the balcony? All right, I can see you in the shadows. Somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jason. Amen. He's there. You're good. You got it holding the fort down up there. Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's look. Let's look in John 21 in verse number 18. We'll start there in verse 18. We, we, we've been in this particular chapter. This is our third week in chapter 21. Uh, the first part of 21, uh, we learned that, that in, in the whole chapter, really, is uh, the subject is the Apostle Peter, and, uh, and, and it's focused completely on him. Uh, he has led other disciples astray, but it's, it's focused primarily on him. The first part is Peter rebuke. He went a fishing. Jesus got his attention. Say amen. amen. How many of y'all know Jesus will get your attention? Amen. He was rebuked, but then he was restored. He was restored last Sunday or last Wednesday. We discussed Peter's restoration, and, and Peter is being brought back into good fellowship where he could do what God has called him to do. Well, tonight we're going to talk about Peter uh, uh, reminded, Peter rebuked, Peter restored, and Peter reminded. Peter reminded. How many of y'all know that there are times in life that we get forgetful? <clears throat> yeah. How many of y'all know that God has a way of reminding us? Amen? Amen. Well, let's look at this tonight in verse number 18. Good crowd tonight. Good crowd tonight. Man, this looks great. Looks great. Uh, verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, that, now, now it's, your writing is read. This is Jesus speaking to Peter after he got through telling, feed my sheep. You know, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now he, he begins to tell him how he's going to die. Verily, verily, I say unto you, or unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, what did he say? Follow me. Follow me. Then Peter turned about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? We know this is the apostle John. 
Peter seeth him, saith to the Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? In other words, Jesus just told Peter about how he was going to die and how the end of his life was going to be. And he turns around and looks at John and says, what about him? It's a dangerous thing to let your nose get in somebody else's business. And all God's people say it. <laughs> what about him? Verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, and he's being a little facetious, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? In other words, if I want him to stay alive till I come back, that's none of your business. That's what he's saying. Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus, now John's clarifying, he's, he's clearing up the, mis, the, the mistake. Jesus said not unto him he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there also are many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness, your grace. Lord, you've been so good to me. And you've been so good to this church. You've been so good to this congregation. And Lord, it, it, it seems like we're doing more than we've ever done for you before as a a whole as a congregation and it seems like the devil's fought more than he ever has before Lord I need grace tonight I need strength tonight I need the Holy Ghost tonight and Lord I know there's a bunch of people in here that's wounded some of them are bleeding some of them are wore out some of them are ready to throw in the towel they've been fighting the devil all week and I pray that you'll strengthen them I pray that you'll encourage them Lord, I pray that you'll convict those that need convicting, challenge those that need challenging, and encourage those that need encouraging. God, will thank you and we'll praise you. We'll give you the glory and the honor. And Lord, all the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Kind of wondered... <clears throat> Kind of wonder why in the world, why in the world would Jesus tell Peter about how he's going to die? I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a glorious thing either. I mean, it, 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 son, you're not going to go off in your sleep. You know, you know, it, it's going to be a bad. We know, we know, by church tradition and church history, Peter was crucified like his Savior, but upside down. He said, "I'm not worthy." Uh, I don't deserve to be crucified like my Savior, so turn me upside down. So he was turned upside down. I'm thinking, why? I, I, don't, I don't know that I would want to know. Are y'all with me? I, I don't know that I'd want to know. I mean, I want to be surprised. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I, I want to go out in a blaze of glory, but I don't know, I don't want to know. Amen? But why would he do that? Why, why was it important that Jesus tell him this? Uh, well, one of the things that, 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 as I've been studying and learning and looking and listening and uh, it was a, it was truly an encouragement to Peter, because if you if you will remember, 
they have had a conversation and Peter was very confident in himself and, and because of his self-confidence, he messed up in a bad way, right? He denied the Lord. He failed. Uh, when he denied the Lord, he denied him three times and then the Bible says he went out and wept, what? Bitterly, right? He went out and wept bitterly. He failed. And now Jesus is confronting him again and he says, do you love me? Uh, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Lord, you know, you know all things. You know I love you. The third time, Peter being grieved. It bothered him. Do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And what Peter is really getting from the Lord and the Lord telling him that what's fixing to happen, in other words, he's telling him, say, listen, the next time you're going to be okay. The next time that your life is threatened, the next time you're going to be required to stand and you're going to be required to be faithful and to be committed, you're going to stand. You're going to willingly give your life and be crucified. In other words, you're not going to fail this way again. And all God's people say it. So that's an encouragement. That is a blessing. But this is, this is really... Uh, Here's what I want to share with you. Here's what I want to share with you tonight. Uh, there is an instruction. If, you, if you're looking at your notes, you want to write these things down. Here, here is something that he's telling him. He said, Peter, follow me. Follow me. The instruction was follow me. But this was not the first time. This was not the first time. And, and we use the word, you remember the third section is about reminding. He is being reminded. Uh, the very first time that Jesus met up with Peter, he told him to follow me, right? Follow me and I'll make you to become. But the main instruction was follow me, right? Follow me. Now, this is really the instruction that he gave everybody. I went down through, I, I copied some of these. I didn't give you guys, so you just have to, if you want to write down the address and look it up later, you can. But Matthew 4, 18 and 19, Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So that's when he met Peter. So that was the first time. That was the first time. All right, then Matthew 8, 18. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Really, that sounds like something that would be okay, but really it was an excuse. It was an, it was an excuse to put off Put off some, some commentaries really said that what the guy was saying is like, wait, wait till my father's dead and I can be, I can be through with that and, and, and then I'll start following. In other words, there's an excuse. This is what Jesus says. Jesus said, uh, uh, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. He, in other words, the most important thing you can do is follow me. Matthew 9, 9. And, and as Jesus passed from thenceforth, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. You remember, Matthew was a tax collector. And he said unto him, follow me. And what did Matthew do? He arose and followed him. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man, if any man, so that means me and you, right? If any, how many of y'all are any? Any, you're any. If any man, if any man, will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and guess what? Follow me. Matthew 19. 
he runs into a, a really rich man who was a really religious man. He was not only rich, but he was religious. Matthew 19, 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I, have, I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt commit, uh, not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man, he was kind of proud of that. He said, All these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. Give to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Come and follow me. John 1, 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he findeth Philip. Here's another one. Findeth Philip and saith unto him. What did he say? Follow me. John 10, 27. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. John 12, 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, but he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Let him follow me. Over and over and over again, when Jesus was calling people to himself, he said, follow me. Now, let's apply this. Let's apply this to today. Jesus is not calling you to be religious. Jesus is not calling you to be a church member. Jesus is not calling you to be baptized. Most people connect those things to what it means. I say, are you saved? Well, I was baptized in such a... That's not what I asked. Or I'm a member of so-and-so church. Or I go to... Or I, and, and, and we'll begin to describe and, and try to convince you why I'm going to go to heaven because of the deeds that I, That's what this rich young ruler was trying to do. But Jesus just said, he told Peter to, he told Matthew to. Matter of fact, he told us all to, if any man would deny himself, take up his cross and here's the question. Here's the question, ladies and gentlemen. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? That is the command. That is the instruction. It was the one that started it. You remember in the very beginning when he ran into Peter? He met Peter and he changed his name and he said, follow me. Say it with me. He said, now watch this in the reminder, in the reminder, in verse number, let's see, verse number 19, this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he has spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. He's reminding him, follow me. Now, listen, what does that mean? When a rabbi asked someone to follow him, it was an incredible honor. This invitation was an offer of unlimited access to that teacher or that rabbi, a chance to become a perpetual student. It not only gave them complete access to ask the teacher probing questions, but they also lived alongside the rabbi, experiencing firsthand how the scriptures should be lived out. Becoming a disciple required an unwavering, an unwavering commitment to submit to the rabbi's authority. But it also meant that every day was full of opportunities to learn new things about God. 
Disciples went where the rabbi went. They slept where the rabbi slept. They ate what the, the rabbi ate. And largely they shared their rabbi's passions and beliefs. As a rabbi, this is a kind of relationship that Jesus invited the disciples to experience when he said, come and follow me. Come all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is speaking this to the Pharisees. He's speaking this to the crowd of people who were bombarded and beat down by the ritualistic, legalistic rules of the Pharisees that they could not even keep up with. Even the Pharisees themselves could not even keep up with all the rules that they had. And they were burdened down with all of the responsibilities and all of the legalism. And Jesus is speaking to them. And he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. What is he saying? Follow me. Watch me. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is... In other words, following Jesus means to be with Jesus, to be in his presence, to learn from him, to be in his teachings, to hear from him, to do what he did, to go where he went, to have his mind. Philippians said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Peter is being reminded one last time, follow me. Quit messing with the boats, quit messing with the nets, quit messing with the fishes. Listen, you've been forgiven, you've been restored, now it's time to get back and follow me. Let's be real practical. Let's be real practical. If we're going to follow Jesus, what what does that mean? What does that really look like? And here's here's some words I want you to write down. First, if we're going to follow Jesus, we must convert. We must convert. That's the first word I want you to write down in your notes. We must convert. If we go back, if we go back, and let's, let's examine Peter's life, okay? Let's go back to the very first time that Jesus told him to follow him, and let's look at what that meant, and what, what, what did it do, or what did Peter do in that, <coughs> so we can understand what did it mean to follow him. How many of y'all believe that at that time, Peter, we know he made mistakes, and we know he had failures and all that, but basically, Peter and the disciples were following Jesus, right? Is there, I mean, throughout all the Gospels, everywhere Jesus went, he, they went. Whatever Jesus ate, they ate. Wherever Jesus stayed, they stayed. Amen? I mean, it was just, this, this is what was going on. So, but what was the first thing that took place? First, there was a conversion. Jesus, Jesus, after he had spent time and he shared with them who he was and revealed to him that he was the Messiah, he was the one that they had been waiting for, he was the Savior of the world, he was the Son of God, he, he questions them. And there's going to come that time in your life. There's going to come a time when the Holy Ghost is going to confront you and he's going to challenge you and he's going to question you. And it's not going to be about your church membership. It's not going to be about your church heritage. He's not going to ask if you had a preaching daddy or a shouting mama. He's going to say, who do you say that I am? And Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say thou art Elias. Some say thou art one of the prophets. Some think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. But the million dollar question, who do you say that I am? And boy, Peter responded in the best way. He said, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And then, and then Jesus responded back to him and said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. What does that mean? You cannot come to the conclusion that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the Son of God without the wooing and the drawing of the Holy Ghost of God. And if you're going to get saved, it's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get saved when you feel like it. You're not going to get saved when you decide to. This is not, listen, you're going to get saved when you get the invitation and you get the divine wooing and drawing of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. And first, there is conversion. It is not church membership. It is not baptism. It's not good deeds. It's not giving a certain amount of money. You've got to come. If you're going to follow Jesus, it starts at the cross. It starts with a confession. It starts with an acknowledgement. It starts with salvation. You come humbly. You come, listen, and bring nothing, nothing but the cross I cling. Somebody say amen. We're all level at the cross. At the cross, it doesn't matter what your education level is. At the cross, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. At the cross, it doesn't matter what your heritage is. At the cross, it doesn't matter what place or what side of the tracks you were raised under. It does not matter. Pauper, rich man, listen, wealthy man, poor man. It does not matter. The ground is level at the cross. Following Jesus starts with salvation. It starts with trusting, putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding that nothing you could do could get you in. It's by grace. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Conversion. We follow Jesus and we start at the cross. We start, listen, with surrender to Him, knowing that we're a lost sinner in need of a loving Savior. But then it continues. That's the second word. Write that down. What does it mean to follow Jesus? First, there's conversion, or we must convert. That is the believing. You say, where do you get that for us? We know what happened with Peter. He confessed, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He confessed him as Lord. Romans 10, verse 7, or actually it's verse 9, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Woo, say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But after salvation, after salvation, Following, listen, let me say this. You don't, let me see if I can word this right. You don't follow to get saved. You get saved to follow. That's how this works. When somebody asks, when somebody asks, are are, are, are you, I'm, I'm, thank you, sir. I am, I am getting saved. They don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. Salvation, salvation is something that happens. Now, the process of following is something that is happening. Are y'all with me? When God saves somebody, he saves all of it. Y'all with me? Now, but 
we still got work to do. Yeah. That's why, we, that's why Peter can still go fishing after his confession. That's why Peter still had the potential to deny the Lord. Some people say, well, Peter wasn't saved till after. No, 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 no. You're missing it. You miss it. Jesus testified to the fact of Peter's conversion at that point when he said the flesh and blood is not revealed us in these, but my Father which is in heaven, and he gave Peter his commission right then. What does that mean? That means even though you're saved, you've got potential to be real stupid. We all do. And let me just put this out there. Why I didn't say enough about it last week. I'm going to say this again. Be careful when you look down on somebody that's messed up big. Because you got the same potential. That's all I'm going to say. Amen? Amen. But see, see what happens after that. What happens after that? Salvation is not all there is to following Jesus. Salvation is not all there is to. If it was, the moment we got saved, he'd just take his own home. He wouldn't put us through all this Hades. Hope I can say that. I said it in Greek, y'all. Right? I, I'm going to ask for your prayer, too. I, I, I'm so proud of our church. I'm proud. We have over 700 people going through a discipleship book. We have over 500 people serving in the community, doing community blitz and loving our community. And, 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 and this awesome crowd on a Bible study Sunday night. And, and our church is doing more now than it's ever done. And, and, and I'm so tickled. But I'm telling you what, the devil is not taking it lightly. So I need you to pray for me, my mental state, grace, strength. And I, I was talking with a, our administrator, and, and I said, look, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't want it to quit because then that would mean that, that, that we, we're not doing what we're doing because the devil's going to fight. If you do something, he's going to fight. I just need strength and grace. So that's what you pray for, amen? But we must continue. We must be converted. We must convert. We must uh, come to the place in our life where we believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The Son of God came in the flesh. And he died on the cross. He, he, he rose the third day. And his blood will wash our sin away. I believe that without shadow of a doubt. I believe that. I'm a converted man. Say amen. amen. But now, now, look what the Bible says. John 8, 29. John 8, 29. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye, come on everybody, if ye, if ye continue in my word, then are you what? My disciples indeed. So, so, so far, we have the word convert and continue. Now, what does it mean to continue? What does it mean to continue? I put beside it. I put it beside it. What are those two, two words beside it? It means. Say it again. Say it again. You know why we're doing these discipleship books? Okay, hold, listen. We go through the lesson. That would be. Then we have daily devotionals about the lesson. 
That's where we can practice. So you see what we're doing? We're and he says be a doer of the word not a let me let me let me can y'all stay in a little honesty you're gonna get it anyways you can just shake your head okay There's not a whole lot of Christians doing that. Now, before you go to breaking your arms, patting your own self on the back, some just don't know no better. Everything rises and falls on leadership, period. In anything, any organization, any team, anything. So... But the point is this. How many times, I'm going to just put a scenario out here. How many times have we come to church, heard a lesson, thought it was kind of good, but by Wednesday, we can't remember nothing he said. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people in, 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 in parking lots after, after Sunday, you know, the church people, they're going to go out to eat and everything, and you see, and, and nobody's going to say, man, I tell you, we had a terrible service today. Even if they did, they'll lie. Because they got to justify why they keep going to them terrible services. So they'll say, man, we had a service. Boy, I tell you what, our preacher, he was shucking the corn all the way down to the cob. Man, I tell you, that was a good one. I thought, boy, I need to hear this. What was it about? Uh, uh, I believe it was in the back of the Bible, but it's somewhere back. Let me ask you a question: How are you gonna, how are you gonna apply the, that truth you're supposed to be doing? And I, I and I'm, I, I think we've been guilty of this at Temple for a while. Because if you're not going out and living. What you're supposed to have been learning, you're not continuing in his word. You may go to a cool church. You may be spiritually, religiously entertained for a little bit. They may have an upbeat music program and, 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 and it be really cool and, you know, get your emotions stirred a little bit and get excited. And you may have a charismatic pastor that can keep your attention, tell funny stories or tell sad stories. Oh, he can just... But if your life is not changing and molding to that book, then we're not continuing in the Word. And if we're not continuing in the Word, then that means we're not following Jesus. Let's see, let's see if we can, we can explain what this means. If we're no closer to Jesus this year than we were last year, we're not following Jesus. If sin doesn't bother us more this year than it did last year, we're not following Jesus. And I'm, 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 I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody. Continuing His Word means you're learning it and then you're living it. You're learning it and you're living it. The disciples had on-the-job training. He would teach them about the bread of life. Then they would have to practice it. He would teach them about faith and courage, and strength, and then he'd put them in a storm. 
Some of y'all think that, that, that you just got bad luck because some stuff's happening to you. God may be trying to get you to practice what you're supposed to be learning. Continuing in his word. Following Jesus means you're converted. It means you're saved. It means you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in, in, for salvation. And now, after you are saved, you are coming to a place where you can get the word, learn the word, and live the word. Does that make sense? Then, then C, or 3, or 3D, whatever you want to put. I don't care. What, what is it? C? C. Contribute. <clears throat> Contribute. What does that mean? It means to serve. What did Jesus do right after Peter confessed him? Right after. Flesh and, he says, he says, we believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was Peter's confession. But what did he do right after that? He said, flesh and blood is not revealed us unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Watch this now. Unto thee I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What was that? That was his commission. He was telling Peter what he was going to be responsible for, and Peter did it to a T. He was responsible for the beginning and helping the early church get started. He unlocked the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts 2, the Samaritans in Acts 8, and the Gentiles with Cornelius in Acts 10. That was his commission. So what did Jesus do? Right after he got saved, he gave him something to do. So what does that mean? That means if we're following Jesus, we are converted, we are continuing, we're in a process of learning the Word and living the Word. Learning the Word, living the Word. And by the way, that's a lifetime process. You do not get a diploma till they're throwing dirt on top of you. Our diploma, our crown is not given till we see Him. We get it straight from Jesus. You never stop learning. You never stop growing. You've never got it all. If you think you got it all, you've got the wrong book. I'm <laughs> so following Jesus is being converted. It's continuing. It's learning the Bible and living the Bible, learning more about the Bible and living more about the Bible and learning more about Christ, learning more about his attitudes and his actions and his behaviors and his way of thinking and trying our best to live it. But then it's contributing. It's serving. If you're going to worship him, worship and service is connected have no other gods before me. And you know what two words he used, having other gods before him? Worship and serving. In other words, you can't worship without serving. So if you're telling me, oh, how I love Jesus, but you don't do nothing for him, oh, you know you don't. Right? Now, we've done covered most of this, so you already know this. You've been given a gift to serve. Ephesians chapter number 4, if you go there, just write it down if you want to go look there. Ephesians chapter 4 teaches that God has given us all gifts. Jesus gave all of us gifts to serve. That's why we say loving Jesus or loving God, loving others, serving both. We serve God by serving others. And so following Jesus means serving. It means working for God. 
It means serving. And it's not always, it's not always a, a place in the church. It's not always a position at church. It's not always one of the dream team. It may be just serving God in the community by loving somebody and helping them fix their tire. Being Jesus to others. That's what it means to serve God. You can serve God by giving a smile and holding the door open. And not snatching their hair out when they don't acknowledge it. Say amen. <laughs> He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. So what was the instruction? What was the instruction? No. It was two words. Follow me. I love y'all. I'm telling you, this is the funnest group. I, I'm telling you. What does God want out of me? He wants you to follow him. He wants you to follow him. He wants every day of your life you to get out of bed, go find your Bible, and learn something else about him. Learn something you didn't know before. I don't think I can do it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, if you don't think that's possible, you've not been reading the Bible. And you've not been studying the Bible. And, and you're going you're gonna to learn something. And, and, and matter of fact, it was in the lesson this week. It's in the lesson this week. If you hadn't done it yet, I don't want to spoil it for you. But the first lesson in, in, in the continue book, it's, it's a cool thing that the Holy Spirit spoke and, and inspired the writers to write what they wrote. But watch this. According to Scripture, it's the same Holy Spirit that will help you understand it. So how's it going to help me? Because he's the one that wrote it. Right? Anyway, I'm sorry. hope I didn't ruin it for some of y'all. Most people, there's on Sunday, so you already got it. But if you don't, you'll, you'll like it when you get there. So he's being instructed. He's reminding, look, man. You ain't got no business in these boats. You ain't got no business with these nets. Follow me. If you're going to love me, you say you love me, follow me. You got a job to do. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. You remember, serve. Following means you're converted, you're continuing, and you're contributing. You're contributing. So that was the first thing. But here's, here's what happens. We see the instruction in verse number, is it 19? Is that where he says that? Follow me. Okay, verse 19, we find the instruction. Follow me. Now, how many of us are all together on this? Before we go any further, how many of us are together on the instruction to follow Jesus? How many of y'all believe we are all required and it's our responsibility to follow him? Are we all together? Okay. Now, watch what happens sometimes. Now, you remember what I said about the apostle Peter, why he's, he's like one of my faves? I don't know if adults are allowed to say that or not, but he's like one of my favorites because I can relate to him so much. Dude's got problems. He has issues. He means well. Dear Lord, he tries so hard. But even after all of that, even after the conference, and by the way, he had a private meeting with Jesus after the denial. I, I gave you those verses last week. So even after the, the, the come to Jesus meeting, even after the second come to Jesus meeting, after he went fishing, even after, the, listen, when he said, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. 
Do you love me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, you know, you know all things. All right. Now we think Peter's got it. All right. He's going the right direction now. He's good. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Verse 20. How many of y'all are with me now? You can relate to that. I mean, all this, <laughs> this extra, this extra help he's getting from Jesus. Verse 20. Then Peter, right after, right after Jesus says, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? That's, that's talking about at the, in the upper room. So he's talking about John. He turns and sees John. Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, do it in Alabama. What about him? What about him? In verse 19, in verse 19, we find an instruction, a responsibility. In verse 20, we find a temptation, a temptation. Write that down. What is the temptation in the Christian life? For all of us who have a Peter-like characteristic, I know some of you have, you're like laser focused and you, you never have problems. But if you're like me and old Pete. <clears throat> squirrel. There's a temptation. There's a temptation in the Christian life to lose focus. To lose focus. Doesn't the Bible say in the book of Hebrews... When it talks about running our race, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to lay aside every weight and ascend that so easily beset us because this race is not a 40 yard dash, it's a marathon. It's a race, man. It's a fight. Paul said when it was his time to go, he fought a good fight. He kept the faith, he, he ran his course, he run his race. But then it says this looking unto, looking unto who? Who's the author? Jesus. Who is the author and the finisher of our... In other words, in other words, when you're, when you're running your race, when you're running your race, you got to keep your eye on the target. I, I didn't really, I didn't really, really get that until I started working at a golf course. I played my first round of golf, or actually just played golf, period, my, my junior year in high school. Man, I liked it. But I was poor. <laughs> and golf costs money. So, I may be poor, but I'm brilliant. <clears throat> I went and got a job at a golf course so I could play for free. Say amen. And... And God used all that. It's amazing how God works things. It's it just great story I can tell you later. But when I started working at that golf course, one of the first things they teach you is how to, how to mow the greens, how to cut the greens. Some of y'all have seen, especially like in the, in the northern states, not as much quite down in South Florida because the, the heat is so bad with the, the, the rye and the, the bent grass greens. They just don't grow as good down there. Uh, but up north, they'll overseed the greens and, and you can cut them and they'll leave patterns on the green. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like checkerboard patterns. And, and so 
if you mow the greens, they got to be straight lines, right? Because if you don't, it'll look like a drunk man did it, right? And so here's how they taught you to cut a straight line. Here's how they taught you to cut a straight line. Don't look at what you're cutting. They said pick an object past, past the green. Maybe it's a lone pine tree out there. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a rock that's out there. Whatever it may be, and you focus your eye on that target. Never look down. Never look at what you're trying to do. Keep your eye on that tree. Keep your eye on, on the target, whatever that is, and just keep your eye in mode. When you get to the end, turn it around, and then you have your straight line. Here's the point. What he was trying to tell us here, looking unto Jesus. Lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily beset us. But when you're running your race, look to Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the moment you lose focus, the moment you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to be in a world of problems. And what happened? What did Jesus say? Okay, in order to follow him, where does Peter have to be looking? You with me? But what did he do? He's, he's following Jesus and he hears something and he, what's the word used? He, he turned. And by the way, he got in trouble. Let me give you a couple other times this happened to old Pete. It's not the only time Pete lost focus. The first time was one of the, one of the first times he, he was really spending time with Jesus at the beginning of the ministry. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember when, when, uh, uh, <clears throat> when, when Jesus got in the boat with Peter? They'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything and and, and, and he gets in the boat and says, hey, just push off because there were so many people on the bank. How many of y'all remember that? Right. All right. Well, he gets in the boat with him. He gets in the boat with him, and, uh, and he teaches the lesson. Then he looks at Pete and says, hey, man, push off out in the deep and let's go fishing. Drop your nets and we'll, we'll catch a bunch. We done fish all night long, and we ain't caught anything. Nevertheless, at thy word, here we go. Y'all know what happened. Dropped the net. So many fish. The net breaks. Got to get help. Y'all come help us. They're pulling in the fish. Now, if you are a fisherman, you can understand what I'm fixing to tell you. <clears throat> if you have fished all night long and caught nothing, you are frustrated. But if you fished all night long and caught nothing, and then you finally catch something, it's the greatest day of your life. And you don't want to quit. You don't want to quit. I mean, this, you're, you've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Say amen. amen. And you would think, you would think that Peter, and he was. There was joy. Why? He had got what he'd been working for all night long. Man, this is great. But then he lost focus. And he looked at himself. He looked at himself. The verse I've got in your, i got to hurry because I'm running out of time, but the verse in your notes, he looked at himself and he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And here's what I want you to write down in that section. When he lost focus there, he lost his joy. And let me tell you how he lost his joy. He got his eyes on himself. 
You know what Pete saw? His own failures. You know, let me tell you the worst thing you could ever do is focus in the mirror. Because the devil will start making you see all your flaws, all your weaknesses, all your failures. I had a meeting today. I had a meeting today at eleven thirty, and uh, and 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 the, the it was with two other people, and one sent me a message, and he was like five minutes late, which I wasn't surprised because he's late to everything. But he says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm late in the text. I'm sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm a colossal failure at life." I'm like, dude, you're five minutes late. <laughs> but you know, when we start looking at self, we don't, we don't look at self. We look at, if you ever look at yourself, look through the lens of Christ. Matter of fact, don't even look at self. Keep your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes on Him. He looks great. We don't. I already know that. But you know what the great thing is? He did too. And he saved me anyway. But you don't know what I've done. I don't, but he did, and he did it anyway. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your past. Don't look at your flaws. Don't look at your weakness. We all got them. We all got them. Because I'm telling you, start focusing on yourself and what you think you should be able to do, you're going to lose your joy faster than anything. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You know, I, I, I wish, I, he may have said it, I don't know, it's not recorded, I wish he said, I know that, I knew that before I got in the boat. Right? No, I didn't, you didn't catch all these fish because you was a good guy. It's just my grace. I'm not good to you because you're good. I'm not good to you because you don't have flaws. I'm good to you because I'm good. Anyway, don't, don't lose focus. Don't focus on yourself. You'll lose your joy. Don't lose focus because he, in that, sin, that, 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 that situation, he lost focus in the ship, but then he lost focus in the storm. He lost focus in the storm. You remember when they was in the storm and Jesus was walking on the water? When he was in the ship with, with, with Peter, when they caught the fish, he lost his joy. But then in the storm, he lost his peace. We lose peace. We lose peace. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you can ask the staff. It's been, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough few weeks, but it... And, 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 and some things I can control and do something about, but it's the things you can't control. You can't control what other people say about you. You can't control what other people post. You can't control, there are certain things in your life you can't control. Now, I think we need to, you know, if there's stuff we can control, we can do stuff about them, but that's not the things that really get us. Pete couldn't control that wind and that thunder and that storm. Jesus is coming. Y'all know the story. I'm going to say it fast, but y'all know what happened. Uh, they're in the storm, and, 
and, and, and, and they're doing good. Uh, this wasn't the first time they'd been in the storm. First time they was in the storm, Jesus was with them in the boat, but he was asleep in the, in the bow, and that was when they got to see Jesus step on the bow of the ship and say, peace, be still, and he calmed the storm, he calmed the waves. So, you know, they've graduated a little bit. They're, they're a little more mature than they were the first time. The first time, they're, they're blaming God and saying, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we're scared? Don't you care we're going to die? They're not doing that now. I mean, they're in the storm. But then it takes it to another level. Uh, you know the old phrase that I don't like using because, you know, charismatics use a lot, but another level, another devil. <laughs> new levels, new devils. Amen? Well, now Jesus is walking on the water. Now he's, con- he's confronting their superstition. Because many in, 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 in that region, they believe that before you died, you would see a spirit. And they see Jesus walking on the water and they think he's a ghost out there on the water and they think he's a spirit out on the water and said, up, we're goners. (laughs) And he says, hey, 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 it is I. It's I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. It's always calm in the eye of the storm, amen. It is I. Can I come out there? Old Pete. <laughs> I haven't found it yet. But somewhere, somewhere it's missed in the translation. Old Pete said, hey, y'all, watch this. <clears throat> somewhere it's there, I'm sure. And he's, See, y'all don't have no imagination when you read your Bible. These people were human. They were regular folks. So he's walking on the water, doing good. But the Bible says, here come the wind and the waves, the storm. And he looked at it. You see, he he was like mowing that green. He had his eyes focused on the target. He was headed to Jesus. Can I come to where you are? He had his eyes on Jesus. But the moment the storm, he looked at the wave and he began to. Let me tell you what will happen when you take your eyes off Jesus in your storm. You'll begin to sink. Because at that moment, the storm begins to be bigger than your Savior. Let me go back. Let me go back to when he calmed the storm. Y'all remember that? Let's go back. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Four minutes. He walks to the bow of the boat. They're afraid they're going to die. I mean, the ship is filling with water. Cares how not that we perish, we're going to die. He walks to the bow. So they're afraid of the storm, right? Say it with me. They're afraid of the Then it says he said, peace be still. Storm went. And they went. And the Bible says. They greatly feared, not the storm, but the Savior. And here's the, here's the truth behind that. When you learn to reverence and fear God, you won't fear nothing else. Because when you realize that that storm that you're so afraid of and paranoid over, he's bigger than it. But when you lose focus, 
How do you do that, preacher? You start thinking more about that bill than you do the provider. You, you start focusing and thinking more about that test result than you do the promise in Scripture. Come on now. There's more old Pete's in this building than what we believe, right? How many of y'all would agree with me there's been times you've lost peace in the storm? I bet you money. No, I guarantee you. I've been hanging around Humphreys, y'all. That's what. I'm telling you this. The reason you can always trace it back is taking your eyes off Christ. Well, preacher, I'm in a storm. What do I do? Get some good, good music that honors Christ. And that's biblical. That's biblical. How many of y'all remember that there was, a, there was an evil spirit that would come and torture Saul? What would he do? He'd have David come and play his harp. What do you reckon David played? Probably some of them psalms that's in your Bible that he wrote with the instrument that he invented and taught people how to play. Hello? Focus on him. Read about him. What do I do when I'm in a storm? Read about what he did in the storm. Focus on the peace speaker. You in a storm? He was too. Go read about it. Memorize some verses. Get the scriptures down in your soul so that when the devil comes against you with fear and anxiety, you can quote them scriptures and remind him about the one who's in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Uh, lastly, 56 seconds to tell you this last point. I can do it. Oh, I got to do C too, don't I? All right, this is, this is on the shore. Uh, in the ship, he lost joy. In the storm, he lost peace. But on the shore, when he looked back at John, you remember, he lost contentment. Doggone, this is the whole lesson with this part right here. But I got to finish. Number three, don't you see the conclusion? Don't you see the conclusion? What's the conclusion? It's right beside it. Yeah, y'all don't like that, do you? Read it. Say it again. Say it again. Watch this. 2 Thessalonians 3.11 For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, Working not at all, but are busybodies. Busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. Say that with me. That with quietness. Look at your neighbor and say, quietness, neighbor. <clears throat> Eat your own bread with quietness. <clears throat> what is a busybody? Here's the definition. A meddling person. A meddling person. 
one who concerns himself with the affairs of others. Second Thessalonians said, don't do that. First Thessalonians, I told somebody this was in the Bible the other day and they didn't believe me, so here's a verse. First Thessalonians 4.11. And that ye study to be, oh yeah, and to do your, and to work with your own, as we commanded you. Let me, let me draw it to a point. What about him? Peter's just informed how he's going to die, how he's going to be crucified. So Peter looks at another one. What about him? Jesus responds really quick, really blunt. Look, if I want him to live till I come back, that ain't none of your business. Ain't none of your business. Now look at me, guys. Every time I get that last point, y'all go to folding stuff up, putting stuff up. I ain't through. Look at me. That's why I don't give you that last point. Look at me. Sometimes God will bless your neighbor while you're still struggling. I, I, let me. Here's a good... Did anybody, did anybody go to high school big enough where you had A and B lunch? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. A and B lunch. In other words, you, some students, you had an early lunch. Some students had a, y'all with me? I never got A lunch. Never. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it was terrible. I'm walking past the I'm walking past the, 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 the cafeteria and all them in there gnawing on their pizza and I'm going to English class. <laughs> Starving. I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes that's aggravating and frustrating. But it wasn't my time. Let's apply it to today. There's been times when we struggled and we had a hard time and did everything we could to keep the doors open and pay the bills. It ain't always been like this. And then I would hear of this church here and that pastor over there would just seem like God was just blessing their socks off. I ain't gonna lie, that was like going to be lunch. Now, I know all of y'all are real spiritual and everything, and it just you just celebrate when everybody's blessed but you. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, what, 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 what about? And Jesus is trying to help us understand something. It's a very dangerous thing to compare your life with somebody else's. Why don't I have what he had? Why, why, why can't I look like she looks? Why, why, why do I have to struggle with this? And why, why, if all we ever do is focus on others, we'll never be happy with ourselves. God made you. 
God made you to be who you are. Ecclesiastes, this, this, let me read this verse. Good night, I need about another 20 minutes. Look in Ecclesiastes, look at the last. See, see, you put your, you put your nose up and I'm going to read another verse right there. That proves why you need to knock that off. Look, Ecclesiastes 2.1. Ecclesiastes 2.1. There is nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy goodness labor. What is this? That is the ability to enjoy what you have. The ability to enjoy what you've worked for and what you've labored for. This also I saw. What? That ability. That it was from the... Here's the point. Ecclesiastes is an experimental story of a man who had everything this world had to offer. All the power, all the money, all the women, all the fame, all anything. There was, there was nothing that could be said no to him. God allowed one human being to have every single thing this world has to offer to see if he could be satisfied, fulfilled, happy. And over and over and over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to find the, 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 the phrase under the sun. That means without God. Solomon decided, he determined, I'm going to find joy. I'm going to find happiness. This was in a backslidden state. I'm on, I'm, so he went out and did it all, had it all, saw it all. Wine, women, song, sex, everything you could imagine. Everything this world had to offer. And he said, it left me empty left me empty vanity vanity all is which means empty and then this verse tells us he said this but this is what I figured out this is what I figured out the ability to enjoy what I have in other words you can have a bed but no sleep I'm laying in a nice bed a nice bed. When our house caught fire, there were some church members that loved us and helped us with that, and it's a really nice bed. I mean, really, really nice bed. Matter of fact, it was brand new. First one we ever had brand new. I mean, plastic on it, brand new. Say amen. And you know what? Three o'clock in the morning, my eyes popped open this morning. Worrying, thinking about stuff. Just you can, you can be in the best bed in the world and can't find no sleep. You can have the greatest meal that can be bought and not have an appetite. You can have the biggest house on the block and not have a home. You can have the prettiest or the most handsome spouse and hate each other. Because it all comes from the hand of God. What's the point? The point is this. Don't worry about what your neighbor has. Don't worry about what God has planned for that person or this person. Because God's got a plan for you. And whatever his plan for you is... You're going to like it. Our professor said it this way. Oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Our professor in college said it this way. He said, fellas, 
He's looking out over all these preachers. He said, everybody's ministry is going to be different. Everybody's not going to pastor a big church. I never thought I would. I thought I'd be my dad's assistant youth pastor till Jesus come. Everybody's, he said, some's going to be pastors, some's going to be evangelists, some's going to be youth pastors, some's going to be other type pastors, ministry workers, some's going to be missionaries. He said, but guys, I can explain it to you this way. God's got a piece of pie for all of you. But they're different flavors. They're different sizes. Some's going to be pecans. Some's going to be peanut butter. Some's going to be chocolate. And all God's people say it. Some's going to be key lime. And they're all going to be different shapes and sizes. He said, but you can bank on this. Whatever piece of pie God has decided to bless you with, you're going to like it. Because the God who's got every hair on your head counted is the God that wants to bless you with the life that he's going to give you. Griggs, hurry, come up here real quick. Hurry, 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 hurry. Hold, hold your hand out. Hold your hand out like this right here. Hold your hand out right here. All right, look that way. Look that way. That's his pie. I got mine. You know what? If he keeps eyeballing mine, he'll never be able to enjoy his. Mine. Your own business. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this truth.